0: Hello everyone, and welcome to season two, episode 15 of the Charge Running Podcast. In today's episode, Coach Casey and Coach Michelle are gonna be interviewing Mike Wardian. Mike is a legend in the ultra running world. He's best known for the fastest time for running seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. He's also held the world record for the fastest 50K on a treadmill, and so many other world records he's held, along with the fastest marathon while being dressed as Elvis Presley. He has such an interesting and unique running story, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and let's dive right in.
1: Thanks so much for being here today, Uh, Mike. uh,
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat, man. Thank you. Uh, It's it's cool what you guys are doing, and I'm happy to be a part of it.
1: Well, we appreciate it. Casey, do you want to start us off with, uh, maybe we can talk about what you just did recently, the, um, quarantine backyard ultra.
2: Yeah. So obviously <laughs> recently you've been in the news quite a bit for the, uh, winning the quarantine backyard ultra from, uh, Travis and Ashley Schiller Brown at personal peak, um, yes. that was a one heck of a race, uh, <laughs> going hour after hour, 4.1, mile loops every hour. Um, and you won in 63 loops. Is that correct? That is correct. And so why don't you, uh, tell us a little bit about that experience that, that, that race? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, um, for those of, uh, people that don't know in your audience, like it's, uh, the quarantine backyard ultra or a backyard ultra, uh, it's based on a race called the bigs backyard ultra, which is, um. The same guy that created the Barkley Marathons, which is kind of like an iconic, uh, super tough, gnarly 100 oh, yeah. miler. And uh, this this race is it's pretty interesting because uh, you basically, it's not very fast. Like you don't have to be fast and you don't have to be like too crazy strong. You just have to keep showing up every hour on the hour uh, and basically until everyone quits. And so uh, it starts at a certain time. This race started on... For me, it, it was cool because the Quarantine Backyard Ultra started simultaneously all over the world. So, like, I started at 9 o'clock in the morning uh, New York time, but other people are starting, you know, at midnight in Sydney or something or, um, you know. So depending on where you were, you, you started running, and then um, you didn't stop running until it, everyone quits, basically. So you just keep going until it gets down to two people, and then um, when one of those person uh, or people can't continue on anymore, then, um, then the other person has to do one more lap and then the race ends. So even if, you know, you're still feeling good at the end, which I was, um, and I think the other guy was too, I think he just kind of got a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit spacey for a second. And the trouble is if you don't start moving on the hour, um, then, uh, then you're not allowed to keep going. And so, um, so I ended up winning the race, but, um, you know, for me, it was kind of a, a, culmination of like everything I've done up to this point, you know, running fast, running long, running in different places, running in different weather conditions, uh, trying to fuel for that long, um, going without sleep for three days, basically. Um, you know, that was, um, yeah, it was really cool. It was like, uh, you know, I always want to continue to evolve as an athlete and a person. And uh, this was kind of like a, a next generation or continuation or evolution of what I've been doing. And, um, you know, it's given me a lot of confidence going forward to kind of do even more bigger and crazier things. And, um, you know, I was just really lucky because I kind of jumped in like a couple days before the the race and didn't really – um plan on doing it i actually planned on doing what i did yesterday which is running all the boundary stones in washington dc which was about 60 miles so about you know 200 miles less than i ended up going during the quarantine backyard ultra but um no but yeah I, I i've had i have really good fitness right now and so um you know i want to continue to use it and and to do these kind of things
1: that's so impressive i mean i'm not gonna lie the end of that race was really stressing me out because i know radic <laughs> would you say that he was your biggest competitor moving into the race would you say maybe because a lot of big names were running oh like no, Courtney no
2: yeah exactly no not at all like i i actually didn't expect to be one of the last ones so like <laughs> I would say there were a lot of people that were, you know, way more competitive at these events. My friend Maggie Guterol, Courtney DeWalter, um, you know, Harvey Lewis, like, um, there's, there was like a, a bunch of guys on the 24 hour world team for the U S and so like, yeah, if I was betting money, I would have bet on somebody besides me and Radic. and, um, and then, you know, that's just how these races go. You know, it, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, who, who can continue to go on, like, who doesn't have to go to work, (laughs) like, um, you know, some, some of the people, like, you know, you got to go to work eventually, and, you know, I was lucky to be able to keep pushing, you know, stuff off, and was working while I was trying to run, and, um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it's, there, there's a lot of things that go into it, and, you know, I was lucky that, you know, I was able to keep going forward, and, um, you know, and, and I had great support from my family and, and friends in my neighborhood. And, um, you know, that really helped.
1: Do you think you chose to run outside because of the support from your neighborhood? Because obviously if you have a lot of accomplishments on the treadmill in my head. I thought the treadmill would have been easier, but now I'm thinking running in the neighborhood would be better.
2: Um, I think, well, I wanted to do it outside just because that's what the real event would be. So, um, you know, if you want to kind of, See what the event's all about. I kind of wanted to get a feel for the conditions. Obviously, I can't mimic the um, the terrain that you know is at Laza's farm, but I, at least I could deal with light, dark, hot, cold, uh, humidity. Um, you know, <laughs> I had to deal with like you know cars and like yeah. that kind of stuff, and like kids on bikes and and yeah, all that. But um, but yeah, but also I wanted it to be you know, since we're all kind of locked down right now, um, it's starting to open up a bit, but in April it was real lockdown. And so, you know, everyone was kind of going stir crazy and yeah, I wanted to also, you know, be some entertainment for the the neighborhood and it turned into the, you know, um, something that everybody was a part of, like, uh, in one way or another. And it really brought us together and like, it's, it's changed people's lives. Like I've seen people that have started running or walking from, you know, seeing me out there doing it. And, um, you know, if I was doing it in my basement, you know, people would maybe have thought it was cool, but they wouldn't have been invested in it. And so that's, you know, something that I was hoping was going to happen. And it did. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. I mean, I, I'd say it was cooler just because everyone came together, uh, and, it brought people that wouldn't normally, you know, have interacted. Uh, it gave them, you know, something to to be bonded over, and um, yeah, it was it was awesome.
1: I feel like every time your neighbors look outside, they see you doing that loop around your uh, neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's Mike again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, now they just ask me when the next race
2: is, so like they want to come and cheer, and like they're like, "Wow, are, where are you? Are you gonna do it?" But yeah, so I. It's funny, if you look on my Strava or my Instagram, there's way, I actually calculated the other day that I've run over a thousand times around that block. <laughs> it's just insane, yeah. It's like, come on man, you can figure somewhere else out to go, but it's it's safe and it's close to my house and like, uh, I'm not gonna get in trouble. And you know, like it's, yeah, it's easy. So obviously that's, you know, that's a lot of time on your feet and a lot of time moving. How do you, I mean, how do you prepare for that in terms of sleep and nutrition? How did you make sure that you, you know, kept fed and and everything like that and kept on top of it as you continued, you know, loop after loop after loop? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I was running between 12 and 14 minute miles. So each time I'd be done around. 12 to 13 minutes, 12, 10 to 12 minutes, uh, of time to go to the bathroom, get some food before I had to start again. Um, and I made sure that I always had, uh, some liquid calories with me. Um, cause once you leave the aid station, that's the other thing that's a little bit trickier about being outside on, versus on a treadmill is like on a treadmill, you could kind of just have your nutrition on your treadmill and not have to carry it. Whereas you have to decide what you're going to use if you're outside. And then once you leave the aid station, you're not allowed to take aid again. And so like, even though I'm looping the aid station like 12 or 13 times, I can't actually take anything, you know? And so that was, that was something, you know, you had to be a little bit uh, careful about, you know, what you're planning to carry, but I'd always carry a bottle with liquid nutrition. I'd always have a goo or two with me in my pal, in my Nathan vest, And then, um, I would always have like some chews or something and then toilet paper and that kind of stuff just in case. Uh, <laughs> although the nice thing is I could just run back to my house if I had to go to the bathroom, which was, uh, you know, a very nice bonus, but, uh, I tried not to do it in the loop. I would only do it on the in-betweens. Um, and so I would always try to get in some food every time and I would drink basically no water. It was almost like I was doing like, um, like a run across the country or like last year I ran across Israel and it's basically like anytime you're drinking something it's with calories which is weird because in real life I never drink calories like I usually just have water so it was it's such a weird like change mindset change but it's a good way to make sure that you're getting in um, nutrition even if you're not chewing and eating it and then I would have like real food. Like I think I had four pizzas from one of the favorite pizza places around here. Uh, I had avocado with salt. I had coconut water. I had pickles. I had pickle juice. Uh, I had egg sandwiches. Um, I'm a vegetarian, but I eat eggs and honey. And so I had like almond butter and honey sandwiches, um, fruit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was trying to stay up on things and, and, and pretty much I did, like I, I had some periods uh, in the middle of the night where I got a little bit bonky and just kind of blah, but for the most part I felt pretty darn good for, you know, the better part of three days. So, um, you know, that's, that's encouraging.
1: Yeah, a little bit earlier you said you're running 12 to 14 minute miles, how, I mean, Recently you ran a 5k with charge. And so I feel like that was really (laughs) weird for you to be running at that, like you know, faster pace. Um, how do you, is it weird for you to run, you know, 14 minute miles? Like does your body, it, okay. How do I say this? It feels like you can adapt to run any pace at any time. And for, you know, runners like Casey and I, it's going to be harder to be like, you know, let's go out for six. Okay. Let's go out for 10. It's, I don't know. It's, do you find that it's hard to like run that slow or are you used to it from your like 100-mile races and you know stuff like that?
2: No, it was dreadfully painful to run that slow. Like it sucked. Like it was so hard mentally to know that you could be done so much faster um and force yourself to be disciplined enough to go slow so that you had some Like my fastest lap of or my fastest four miles of the entire race was the last four miles when I knew I could just run whatever pace I wanted. I ran like 630 pace uh, at 260 miles. Like I was just like holding back and holding back. But it's like if you ever run a good marathon, you probably are like, or at least every time I've run a good marathon, it's like it should feel easy until it doesn't and then it should feel really hard. And that's basically, uh, yeah. So I was holding back and being very patient and, um, but yeah, it was really, really mentally hard physically. It's also hard because your stride is different and shorter and just kind of awkward.
1: Um,
2: but I mean, that's, I looked at what everyone else was doing and I talked to some people that have done these races and, they said, if you don't do that, you're gonna not be able to keep going. And so, um, so that's what I did. And I mean, I would do it again. It's just, I, uh, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's really, really hard.
1: That's interesting to think about. Um, Casey, do you have any more questions on this one?
2: Uh, you know, you, you, <laughs> you mentioned all those kind of incredible food snacks that you were eating. Yeah. Um, you know, like pickles and avocado with salt and everything. Was there one that over the course of all those loops you kept in your head being like, I cannot wait until I get to my pickle, or I cannot wait until (laughs) I get my avocado and salt or whatever it may be? Yeah. um, Eventually, no. Um, But you do want to try to find something like that that you can basically eat at any time. And usually for me, that's avocado and salt. Like I usually, uh, I'll start out with like a wrap or something just to get more calories. But as I get further into it or what usually happens is, um, I just get hot and then it just gets hard to eat when you're hot. And so like, uh, yeah, I would actually look forward more to like ice and like getting ice in my sleeves than actually food, but sometimes just like super, super cold. I also didn't say coconut water, but like I drank a ton of coconut water and just ice cold coconut water, um, gets you a ton of calories. And it also like I can drink it almost at any time. And so like, I would look forward to that. Um, yeah, but yeah, some, sometimes it used to be like pop tart or something like that. Just cause like you get that thing near your face and it's like 300 calories, but, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's <yeah>. funny <laughs> for, um, you know, just your average recreational runner. They're like, what's low calorie that I can eat as a snack afterwards. And you're like, <laughs> What is the highest calorie thing I can put in my yeah. mouth right
2: now? <laughs> how many how many pizzas can I fit in my stomach over the course of totally. two hundred miles? <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is uh, I, I, when I first did uh, one of um, the the big stage races, a, mar- a race called Marathon de Saab, and it's like you like your whole life you're trained to like be conscious of calories and like how much you're putting in, and it's the first time I like went to the store and I was actually like. Oh my god the snicker bar has like 800 calories like freaking awesome like (laughs) my god this like you know like those larry cookies you're like oh my god that's like 1200 calories and it's like uh, yeah olive oil hell yeah i want olive oil on everything you know (laughs) and so like uh it's a it's a mind shift but i mean that's how you do those events is you 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 gotta feed your body i mean you're consuming so many calories and um you have to put the fuel back in I mean you can do it without like you know I think we all just saw there was a guy did did 100 miles with just water and like I've done that before and it's just not as fun (laughs) like it's just way harder
1: yeah well I mean honestly it seems like this event was perfect for you and it's no surprise to me and Casey obviously that you won it even though apparently you were surprised.
2: (laughs) Oh, I was so surprised. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say like when it just got like the last 16 hours were radic and myself. Um, and I thought, well, I have a good chance, you know, it's at least a 50, 50 chance. Um, but as the race went along, I was like, I'm not going to stop. So like, I I don't know if either of us are going to win, but I'm definitely not stopping. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I started getting more and more confidence as 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 the hours ticked by.
1: Yeah, well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. So let's dive into your background a little bit. Um, well, we, obviously we know you played lacrosse in college at Michigan State University. Shout out to Casey who okay. went there as well.
2: Sparty <laughs> on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you didn't start competitive. Competitively running until after college. So, what really sparked your interest? Your interest in running?
2: Uh, it was um, it was my friend uh, Vince Boysen, His mother had just run the Boston Marathon, and she, um, she had her little blanket, her like crinkly like styro or like you know tin foil like <laughs> uh, <laughs> aluminum foil blanket, and her like a little metal, like with the unicorn on it. And I was like, I mean, I had always thought I would run a marathon, but it was the first time I had met like a real normal person that, um, had done a marathon that wasn't like, look like us, you know, like super lean and like, um, look like they'd run since they were like, you know, eight years old or something like she just looked like a regular person. And I was just like, Vicky, you're awesome. Wait, you ran a marathon. I was like, well, she can run a marathon. I can run a marathon. And so, you know, little did I know how much work it was, but I was like, I'm a division one athlete. I can, you know, I can do that. or she can do it. And, um, I think sometimes that's all it takes for, I mean, that's all it took for me was she was cool enough to like, give me a training plan, um, that she just Xeroxed out of a book, which is awesome. I still have it. It's called like my first training plan. Shut up. <laughs> uh, no, I still do. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, and I just did whatever it said to do. Like I can follow directions pretty well. And so, you know, if it said run six miles on Monday, I would run six miles and if it was snowing and it said do 12 miles, I would do my 12 miles. And, um, I decided to run the Boston marathon right then. And it's like one of those seminal moments in your life where, um, just a silly decision has changed the entire course of my life. And, um, you know, given me these incredible opportunities. Like, um, yeah, I, I I can't be more uh, thankful to her for being as generous with her time and, um, and sharing with me and then uh, all the people along the journey. Like, you know, the first thing was to, you know, run the Boston Marathon. I didn't know that you had to qualify. I sent them like a self-addressed stamped envelope because uh, there wasn't, um, there wasn't like internet really then <laughs> you know it was like kind of like you know dial up it was like D-d-d-d-d-d. so um
1: <laughs> yeah how did you apply the, before internet for yeah you would had to send them the a
2: self-addressed stamped envelope and they sent you back like a paper like pamphlet and then you wrote your like name and qualifying time and then you sent it back and so when i got that thing in the mail i was like oh crap i don't have a qualifying time and it had like the list you know like if you're 20 to 25, you have to run 310. And so I was like, okay, I got to run 310. And so I was like, I'll run the Marine Corps. Cause if it goes really bad, my parents can come get me. So, <laughs> uh, it was right by my house and I ran, I think 306 and qualified and then, wow. uh, decided to try to break three hours. Cause I heard from somebody that that makes you a real runner. And, um, and I ran 254, and I was like, sweet, but like, during the boston marathons when i really got hooked i was just like this is the coolest thing ever like i saw the pageantry and the girls screaming at well wellesley and um just the whole ambiance i was like i want to do that every weekend i was like that was the coolest thing that i've ever been a part of and i basically have been since then i've been um diligently and committed to getting better and improving and continuing to challenge myself.
1: That's amazing. Shout out to uh Vince's mom, Vicky.
2: <laughs> Vicky, yeah, and it's funny cuz I still hang it like Vince and I are still buddies and uh I'm starting to get into CrossFit. He's like so into it and like oh man, it's awesome. We always talk about CrossFit workouts now cuz you know, if you're in CrossFit like the first people, you know, It's like, how do you know someone's in CrossFit? Because they start telling you about CrossFit, you know, but it's it's awesome.
1: On the CrossFit topic, I saw, um, I was like watching some videos the other day and I saw like you had attempted, what was it? Like 50 miles on the treadmill, like a world record for that. Or was it 50 Mm -hmm. with, with uh, um, the Spartan community and you didn't beat it and you're off by like a minute or two. And then the next morning you're like, ah, screw it. I'll just do it again.
2: Yeah. Well, I thought I beat it, but what I didn't do was proper research. So then I had to do it again. Because <laughs> I was on the uh, ship, yeah. So I did it like the next day. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, I'll show these guys I'm I'm tough. I'm a Spartan. <laughs> yeah. So I got to do it twice. That's sick. Yeah, so it was really really funny. You do you do quite a bit of. It looks like a lot of your strength training and whatnot is is pretty kind of CrossFit based, and I saw that you did like the Murph workout for Memorial Day and all of that. Um, yeah. How recent has been your kind of transition into kind of CrossFit style workouts as as your cross training, as it were? Uh, since quarantine, actually. Like before that, I was working with a personal trainer, a guy named Jesse Fuller, and we were doing more um, kind of dynamic. Different stuff like some strength components for sure but a lot of like stretching and uh, mobility and I love that stuff too and a lot of band work and just kind of um, interesting stuff but since the quarantine I haven't been able to work out with Jesse and so um, I have a friend who has like a private g- CrossFit gym basically and so like uh, this guy Tom who's just awesome and so he like stays on his side of the CrossFit gym and I stay on my side of the CrossFit gym. And like, uh, and he's the one who has been designing all the workouts and man, I freaking love it. It is so awesome. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's been cool to like just do something different. And like, this is definitely the strongest I've ever been in my life, which is just incredible. Like for a 46 year old dude to be like, Oh, I'm the strongest I've ever been. But like, it's totally true. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's really just, uh, just cool to see what, you know, and I think it's been maybe eight weeks or so, and just like what a transformation, you know, can take place in such a short amount of time.
1: That's sure. interesting to me, because I always think that CrossFit isn't necessarily conducive to long distance running, especially ultras. So do you yeah. find that you're stronger and you run stronger in a way, or do you feel like yeah. it's really hard to recover?
2: Uh, well, there are some days where I'm just completely whacked, like, uh, especially on wall balls. Like for some reason I don't have a really good squat yet. So like I've used too much of my lower back and then I like swear, I feel like I'm like a hundred, but, <laughs> um, but it's still like, I can still run relatively, relatively super like, yeah, fast. Like it's, um, I actually did, I did tell Tom the other day, I think I need to start stretching my arms cause I was like not having as much mo like arm oh. swing and mobility and so I, I found this prayer stretch that you can do to like, um, stretch out your arms. But I was just like, dude, I can't, I gotta be able to swing, have my arm swing. Like, so like, um, <laughs> they like, I think that like, and ours isn't like super, super CrossFit. It's like kind of like CrossFit light. So, um, but it's, yeah, I think like being stronger can't hurt you. Like as long as you don't, uh, stop being, trying to be flexible and have mobility and, As long as you're continuing to run, like, I remember I always used to be scared, like, oh, I'm going to get too big, you know, with lifting. And then I remember I saw, I don't know if it was, well, now it's funny because Ryan's just so massive, but like all those, like Ryan Hall and those guys are always like in the weight room a couple (laughs) days a week. And like, um, and yeah, if you're running a lot, like, I don't, I don't think it's going to hurt you to be strong too, like, or, and I noticed it particularly um, in the longer stuff, I'm just like, have so much better form and I just don't get tired as quick. Like, I just wow. like am able to keep going. And also I think mentally it's, it's really good just to know that like, you can like when you're on your fifth or sixth set of like 10 pushups and you're just sort like, I have three more sets to go. It's almost like going to the track. It like builds that resilience and grit that, um, that I think helps you in everything, like all parts of your life
1: dang I like that that's cool
2: yeah it's it's I don't know I've I find it to be like incredibly um motivating too it's like you can actually see like results like I don't know it's kind of like cutting the grass or something like you know like it's just when you when you're like I I'm an international shipbroker and I push papers around all the time and like I get to see shipments like start and finish but like to actually know that you're like doing something and and there's like a result that is tangible is i don't know one of my favorite things is it something that you're gonna keep going with after after quarantine kind of loosens up a little bit oh my gosh Yeah. are you gonna be a crossfitter for life (laughs) Uh, i don't know for yeah i mean i hope so like uh i i don't know like what's funny though is because i only know my friend tom's crossfit so i haven't actually been to like a crossfit like facility to like crossfit with like crossfitters. And so like, I'm not sure if I actually like, I I don't know if I'll like that aspect of it, but I assume that I will just because like everyone I've met in the community is so like in, in there, it's kind of like the ultra or the running community is like if you're like trying to be into it, like people like bring you in and like mentor you. And like, it seems like it's a really positive environment. So like, the thing I'm just worried about is like, I know how competitive I am. And like when people start writing that they did seven sets and I only did five and I'll try to like kill myself to like do, (laughs) you know, an extra set or something. And so like, I think I just need to balance like that competitiveness with like, dude, you know, this is supposed to be like helpful, but like don't die. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like right now it's like, I don't have to like be in there with like all the big weights that you're like you're supposed to throw around I can just use whatever weights I want and so like I think that that might be interesting when you know everyone has like you know a bigger weight on and I'm like I'm just gonna be over here with my little weights, you know (laughs) and um so but you know that's part of it like I mean I think um you know there's there's something to be said for um challenging yourself and doing something that you know you're not particularly good at like I and and just to What's cool is, like, just to see how much progress. Like, I didn't even know how to do, like, a lot of the kettlebell stuff, and now I'm like, oh, yeah, kettlebells. Like,
1: yeah, I can, feel really comfortable
2: with it. Yeah, yeah. That's keep, cool. it, keep an eye out for you at the uh, CrossFit World Games in Madison here. <laughs> well, you know what's crazy, dude, is I started – I watched
1: that, and I was like,
2: oh, man, I could outrun those guys probably. And then I did my first run with the vest. And, yeah, the Murph. Oh,
1: yeah. You but got then, the running like, events down.
2: Yeah, 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 right? But, like, it's kind of like uh, Spartan races, though. It's like I'm really – like, the guys always laugh at me because I get to the obstacle first, and then I, like, either fail it or, like, I take forever. And, like, the the bigger guys, like, run up, and there's like – do it in, like, two seconds. And then they're like, oh, I'll never see that guy again. And then all of a sudden I'll catch him on the <laughs> next one after I've done, like, 130 burpees. And they're like, dude, you're still here? I'm like, yeah,
1: I just suck at every on the –
2: all the obstacles.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't handle that. That's so funny. Um, (laughs) So wait, you said you have a full-time job as an international shipbroker. How are you able to uh, juggle that with all the races that you're competing in and everything you do?
2: Well, actually just doing it right now. I just sent out like a tender while we were talking. So (laughs) like, uh, I just do it, man. Like I've done it like my whole life like my whole career like i started running in 1995 and i started full-time as a i was basically not a ship broker i was like worked in the office as like answering the phones and like making photocopies but i worked up from like basically like a office assistant to um like a junior broker and and now i'm a partner in the company so like um Yeah, it's it's one of those things where um you know, you you keep showing up and keep trying to do a good job and, you know, hopefully, you know, you keep moving up and that's what's happened uh in in the shipping world and then um, you know, the same with the running. So um yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, I there have been different times in uh my running career where I thought maybe I'll just, you know, become a professional runner full time but I was like, I love what I do as a as a job and I love the people that I work with and I think we're doing a lot of good. I deal in humanitarian food aid cargoes going to places all over the world to um, you know, help uh get people like particularly uh, young girls into school, like with the school feeding programs overseas and then um also like um monetization programs where people can take the products and, and sell them to, you know, build a well or, um, for education or even for like crops and that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think it, it's, it's a really good piece of the world and, and part of the business that I really enjoy. And I was like, well, if I can keep doing both, I hopefully, you know, we'll do a good job. And, and I don't think, I don't necessarily think like you, you have to, you know, give up on one to be able to do well in the other, and so I've always tried to, you know, fulfill my obligations and and then continue to push uh, the boundaries of what I do on the athletic side also.
1: It's pretty crazy because for a lot of your events, I know the training you probably have to do is pretty grueling, so to keep up with, you know, a job on the side, I just assumed that you were a full-time runner. I don't know, like, No. I looked up what you did, and I was like, wait, how? So... I don't know. It's pretty cool yeah. that you're able to kind of figure out a way to do a job, be a you know professional runner, and also have a family. Does uh, yeah, do your wife and sons run?
2: Uh, they. My wife isn't a big runner. Uh, our, our sons run. So we have a 13 and an 11 year old. So 13 year old Pierce uh, has become a very very good runner, and Grant, our 11 year old is working on it like he's uh he's definitely um getting like i think more into it um but yeah it's something like we don't really push and so like we have a run club that meets uh, monday wednesday and friday so we just had it today grant had his best day of running uh he was like in the middle of the pack he was like smooth we were flowing over the trails it's like a trail run mostly around our neighborhood it's about two to three miles, and I was just like, "Oh my God, this is the day he's gonna find it. He's gonna love it." And then he caught his foot on a root and went down so hard, smashed his knee, scraped his elbow. We had to walk it in, and I was just like, "Unbelievable! This was the day that it was gonna change the course of his career." Like I was like, "He's gonna be, he's gonna be better than Killian." Like I was watching him, and then he caught his <laughs> toe. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, def- definitely, um, it's part of like their life. And what's funny is like, they have so much knowledge that I just never had. Like they know like about water bottles. Like my son was putting on squirrels, nut butter before the run. So he went not chafe. Like, uh, like I didn't know about that until I was like 24 when I got, you know, my armpits were like bleeding, you know? And so like, um, yeah, they're just uh, they're dialed on all of that kind of stuff where they're you know if they do really want to pursue it, uh, they're gonna have a really uh, quick you know transition hopefully to you know doing some special stuff. And uh, Pierce was a Pierce was a part of your uh stroller world record, right? <laughs> he was. Yeah. Well, actually both of them. So Pierce uh, set the world record in 242. And then uh, about a year and a half later, I ran, and, well, I guess it was two and a half years later, I ran another world record attempt with Grant, and we actually ran faster, but another guy beat me. So we finished first and second in this the uh, Route 66 Marathon in like 234, and the other guy was 231 pushing a stroller. <laughs> well, they've already got a pretty good running resume behind them. Yeah,
1: dude, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's so funny. Um, I'd love to hop into some of your biggest biggest accomplishments, but before, I think, okay, so the Backyard Ultra, kinda, you know, we're talking about the Barkley Marathons, and I know that might be a sore spot for ya, but I really wanna know about your experience with the Barkley Marathons, because that race is just so crazy bizarre. I just rewatched the documentary um, recently, so I can just have it in my head and remember how crazy it is. Um, do you mm-hmm. want to kind of talk through basically how you got into that race and what happened?
2: Yeah. I mean, well, I've done it twice. Um, so I figure it's, I don't know if, uh, everyone in your audience knows about the Barkley marathons, but it's, Probably. um, it's a race outside of Knoxville, Tennessee in a place called Frozen Head State Park, which is funny. It's just a tiny little state park, but it's like world famous now because of this race. And it's, um, it's supposedly a hundred miles, but it's more like 130 miles. And it's, um, each loop of the course there, it's consists of five loops and you have 12 hours to do each loop. So you have a total of 60 hours to complete the race, which seems very doable for most people um and it is there's no website there's no like um you know self address stamped envelope that you send away for it's like uh, it's all like you have to figure out like where to submit the application when at what time and then you basically have to give like reasons why you should be in the race and the race is very limited i think only 40 starters each year um it's and and that's 40 starters total but i think up like 10 percent are from overseas or more than that i think like maybe 10 people from overseas so um if you're a u.s citizen you you know it's not a lot of spots uh, once you figure out when, how to get in and you get accepted or you actually get a letter of condolence saying that you've <laughs> been selected, um, then you have to figure out like when it is, uh, so it's like got all these challenges, but then also once you get there and you, um, you, you're at the park and you know you're kind of ready, you don't know when the race is going to start. It can start like any time over a course of a couple days. And then once you, the race does start. When you hear um, the conch shell. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the conch shell cigarette. tells you that you have an hour until the race starts. Okay. So then the race starts with the lighting of a cigarette by a guy named Lazarus Lake, um, who's the race director, who's just like one of the coolest, most unique guys that you've ever met. Um, and it's you head off into the woods and once you leave the the... The, the campground you can't take any more aid so you have to bring everything you're going to use for 12 hours with you and then there's no gps there's no you actually get a watch that he gives you there that's like this cheap like watch you got it at, like walmart um wow, so that you, you can't bring a what...
1: gps watch huh? i didn't even think of that
2: yeah no gps's no watch so th- you basically have to navigate your way around the park finding these books that are hidden in like the hollows of trees and under rocks and um which is like hard enough but then like the weather is always crappy so there's fog and rain and lightning and cold and snow and um yeah so it's be- it's basically all that um Our so runners yeah are like, you're so you're making this up <laughs> what's that?
1: Our members are like, he's making this up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's face. No,
1: no, no, no. It's, uh, it's all true.
2: They can check it out. Um, And so, and so basically I, yeah, you head off into the woods. and Like I had taken like a navigation course at REI because I'm not a great navigator and I haven't done orienteering or anything. And so I was pretty confident and I was just like, I'll just stay with everyone else. But like, what's crazy is it's not a marked course either. And so you just head off into the woods with like these like 10 pages of directions that are like when you see the lily of the valley turn right and you're just like i don't know what a lily of the valley is so i don't know where to turn it's like when you get to the pillars of doom go straight and you're like okay well sweet i don't know what that is so um so basically you just head off with everyone else and then once you get to the book uh it's a hidden book and then you're your bib number corresponds with a page on the book. So it's like you're, if you're bib number one, you rip out the first page and that's how you, uh, prove that you've made it to the checkpoint. And so as soon as you rip off the page, then you just leave. And so what happens is if you, if you get there like third, you, and there's only three of you, you have to wait. Everyone else has already left. And then you have to take the book and put it back and hide it again for the next people. And so when you turn around then everyone's gone and so basically that's what happened to me the first year and I was like oh crap I guess I'm not following anyone and so then I was like trying to figure it out on my own and I just I just got lost and Was like the first it's loop? fine oh yeah 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 I got lost in with after the first book on the first loop no.
1: um
2: yeah so so yeah so I was lost for like a couple hours it was so funny because like the people that are at the back of the group like caught up to me and they're like what are you doing here and I was like I don't know where I am, man. And they're like, oh, you can come with us. And then I was like, okay. And I went with them for a while. And then I was like, I'm a little bit faster. I'm going to go ahead. And then I just kept getting lost and they just kept catching up to me. It was crazy. (laughs) Um, And then basically the same thing happened. So I went back the next year and I like studied even more net orienteering and everything. And I got uh, lost at the exact same spot as I did the year before. But instead of going the wrong way down the trail. I was like, aha, that's not the right way. And then I went up the wrong mountain. So, um, so anyhow, yeah. It was, and it was fine. I like actually made it around most of it and I probably had time to make it. But then we got this like crazy th- lightning storm and, uh, and I, I got hypothermic and I was just like, ah, uh, now I'm not going to make it. I had to like shelter in a cave with like three other guys.
1: It <laughs> sounds like a dream. And also, it sounds yeah. like it was like, like almost convert, like a Spartan yeah. race. You would run up to the next one, and then everyone would come on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was
2: crazy. Yeah, it was. That was actually super funny, because there was this guy who had done it, like, eight times. And he was he wasn't particularly fast, but I swear, man, that guy had, like, the most incredible, like, sense of direction for the books. Like, I'd be, like, searching around the clearing for, like, 20 minutes, and he would, like, walk right up and be like, it's under the third stone just be like pick it up and be like here it is (laughs) like
1: what like how? what do you think you'd ever attempt that race again oh yeah yeah I'll
2: totally do it again like uh but before I do it again I want to get way better at navigation because like I feel like if I don't get a lot better at that then I'm just wasting a spot from somebody else that actually has put the time and effort in and so like that's not fair So like I've already got two chances to go. And so if, if I want to go back and make a proper go at it, then I'm going to have to get much better at orienteering. So I'll probably join like an orienteering club. Um, They have some around here uh, or they used to before COVID. Um, So yeah, so I'll probably do that and just get a lot stronger with like map and compass. Um, Cause I think I have the fitness. It's just like, if you, if you have the fitness and you're not going the right way, it doesn't help you. So you know you're looking back over you know twenty some odd years of of competitive racing and all these different types of challenges and ultra marathons and and regular marathons. Um, you know when you look back at that, what do you what do you see as kind of your biggest running accomplishment? Obviously, that first run and qualifying for Boston was probably a big deal for you. But you know now you have all these other races and accomplishments under your belt. What do you? what do you kind of reflect on as that, that big one for you? Um, yeah. I mean, I've been super lucky to have had a lot of um, like once in a lifetime, like big achievements um, and some like the seven marathons I got to do like twice where it's like, come on, really? Like who gets to do that once, like uh, let alone twice. Um, but I'd say for me, like some of the most pivotal ones, I think you're right. Like uh, that first uh, Marine Corps marathon, just, um, you know, getting my qualifier for Boston that kind of gave me some momentum to get started. Um, that first Boston, like just getting the love, like just having that, um, crystallize what I wanted to do. Um, and then, uh, quickly after that, I, I, my goal was to make one of the local running teams here, a team called Pacers. Um, they own a bunch of stores in the area and i did like a little 10 mile race with a bunch of the guys on the team and i ended up beating most of them except for like one and they like asked me onto the team and i was like holy shit man i made it like i've arrived and it was like one of those moments where i was just like holy i'm actually really i'm probably good at this like i was like you know like this is something that you know if i put some time and effort in like cause I was still like going out and partying and then I'd be like, Oh, but I can still beat those guys. And I was like, well, maybe if I didn't like do all that and just like focused on this, I could be even better. And so, um, and then I'd say like going to the marathon de sob in 2000 for the first time and getting a taste of international competition and just seeing how I stacked up and, um, and just knowing that I, um, that I could compete with some of the best people in the world. And just like, as the race got longer, I got stronger. And so, um, and that I was good at being able to overcome and suffer. I think that was like a pivotal like moment for me. Um, and then I did a race in the Himalayas called the Himalayan hundred mile stage race. Mm -hmm. And I was winning that race. And, but I was, um, it was like the third day and I was like, I'm going to win. Like, there's nobody close to me. And I was just like, I was just like, I think that I'm going to try it for the Olympic trials, but it was like, it scared me. I was like, this is like, like I had to drop like 15 minutes off my marathon time. It wasn't like, you know, two or three minutes. It was like a lot of time, but I was like, I was like, I want to do that. Like, and that's, I was like overlooking Mount Everest in the Himalayas. And I was just like, I'm going to try to qualify for the Olympic trials and then, Took me until two, two years, but I qualified at Detroit, which was awesome because I was a Sparty and like um, I ran sub 222 and qualified for the trials. And I think that was a really big moment for me because it, it kind of um, solidified that, you know, all the time and effort I'd put in. Like, that's the cool thing about running is it doesn't care if you were a runner growing up. It doesn't care who your parents are. It doesn't care. um you know if you're wealthy or not it doesn't you either have done the work and execute or you don't and so that's what i think is so cool about it is like if you talk a lot you don't work like your times will show it and if you do the work then your times will show it and it's not subjective it's not like a lot of other things like you can't hide behind teammates like yeah. You know, there's, there's, it's either, it's you and the clock and, and the work. And, um, and that was something that I really respected. It's like, um, if you're willing to work hard and be consistent and, and, and that's in all aspects of your life, like I, that's what I found out is like running's not just the running, but it's the recovery, it's the fueling, it's all those things. Uh, if you're willing to, you know, put the time and effort in and, and really take it serious, but also keep it fun. And I think that that's something that, you know, I've tried to do over the course of my career. Um, And then I'd say jumping forward a little bit, like I chased the Olympic trials, I qualified for three, brought my marathon time down, um, you know, from that three hour, over three hours to 2.17. Um, You know, that was, that was a big deal for me to be able to break 2.20 and, you know, just get in the teams. Um, and then, uh, in 2007, I qualified for my first world team. So like the, that for me was one of those moments where, um, you just are in disbelief. Like you get to wear the USA singlet and, um, you know, the opportunity to represent your country, um, it still gives me goosebumps, man. Like I'm getting like misty eyed thinking about it, but like I I was able to run on, um, I think... 10 world teams between the 50k and 100k and uh bring home a silver medal um and help win some gold medals in the team competition and um that chance to be you know a national champion and an international um you know medal winner is is incredibly powerful and then i'd say the other thing was um you know having the chance to represent uh companies and have sponsors and and you know the the more that i learned about what that is all about and what it entails like uh the more opportunities you have and and then the more chances you get to compete and and the more friends you make all around the world and it's it's just an incredible community that we have and um but i'd say like one of the biggest things too is like the quarantine backyard (laughs) ultra that just happened like it's crazy to have like, you know, a a thing from 2000 and then 20 years later to have something, you know, that would be one of the most incredible things that you've you know been able to do. And, you know, I'm glossing over like, you know, setting the world record for running seven marathons in seven days on seven continents (laughs) and like, um, running the fastest time ever run in Antarctica, like breaking three hours for the marathon in Antarctica and like full, like, you know, cold weather gear and Um, I think I'm the only person in the world that's won a marathon on all the continents and the North pole. And so like, um, yeah, like, yeah, setting world records. Like I won the Vegas marathon dressed as Elvis. Like there's like, just, yeah, like you mentioned it in your thing, but like doing breaking like a record from, um, like. Marshall Ulrich for running the Leadville and Pikes Peak Marathons back to back. And, um, you know, running across Israel, I think for me that was a really big deal. And, uh, I've gotten really into these fastest known times. And so like, uh, the chance to just like come up with creative ways to like test yourself, I think is really cool because people can do that anywhere in any time. And hopefully, you know, if your community allows you in, in almost any, conditions and so um yeah I guess I have a long-winded answer but no, not, I mean, like, it's- not like not like not just one thing I guess like and I, I wouldn't say it's like roads or trails like you know some people would be like um you know when I found the the trails or whatever but um you know I've had I've had a good time like I won a race on Cranberry Island where we ran like a one mile section of road for a hundred miles and that was like one of the most incredible things I've done and You know, it prepared me for, you know, running around my block for three days. And so I feel like all this stuff kind of builds into, you know, the person you are now.
1: Yeah, what I find so crazy is that your accomplishments are so varied and so wide. It's not like you're just specialized in the marathon. You're not just specialized in one particular race. Like, how do you think that you're able to win And compete in so many different types of races lengthwise
2: um well I think some of it has to do with like I'm not afraid to suck at stuff like I think and that's um I think sometimes hard especially when you have found success in like you know I I could have just always run 50k because like that's the distance that I was it seems like a really good distance for me because it's just long enough to like most marathoners don't want to do it, but like short enough that, um, you can still use your speed to, you know, run fast. And so, um, and especially if you can, you know, you got to be able to fuel right, but you're also like kind of on the rivets. And so like, um, but like, I, I, I like to keep it expanding what I'm capable of rather than narrowing the focus. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think being willing to, you know, not be the best or, or being open to, uh, change. Like, I think, um, you know, a lot of people at first thought like I was only a road runner. And so like, I really dedicated a couple of years to just getting better at running trails and I would just run the gnarliest trails in my area, which I mean, they're not super steep, but they're like really rocky and rudy and as my son can attest to you, like you can get busted up and, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's something like a lot of these things you can improve on if you're willing to, you know, go out there and continue to do it. And, and I think that's something that anyone can do. You know, if, if you're not good at pistol squats, well, if you practice them for three weeks, you'll probably get better. And so like, um, a lot of things, it just takes repetition and, and getting comfortable and, Like it's so cool, like to be able to, and this always happens. So as soon as I start thinking like, oh, I'm awesome at running trails, like I fall and bust myself up. But like I think that's just hubris. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's ways that you can continue to get better at things, and if you're not willing to limit yourself and be open to exploring what you're capable of, and knowing that you know eventually you will find some proficiency, even if it takes a while.
1: I think that's a really good takeaway for all of our runners too. It's like, if you're like, don't be scared to try something new, mix it up. If you always race five Ks, like train for a half marathon, you know, it's just don't limit yourself to one thing, which is so easy to do. Like,
2: right. Right. Well, and like, and I think like, I don't know about you, but a lot of times people will try to protect you by telling you like, I don't know if that's a good idea or like, and I don't think they mean it negatively because they, they just want to see you have success. But like, I mean, you will not believe how many times my wife can tell you, like she would be like a multimillionaire each time over. if Like if people would like, if you would just stop racing less, if you just race one time a year or two times a year, you'd be like a two Oh eight marathon runner. And I'd be like, well, yeah, but maybe, but maybe not. And then, you know, I wouldn't have all these other experiences. And so like, I think, I think you have to do what makes you happy too and like if you're not having fun then maybe it is time to do something you know a little bit different or a little bit outside of what you're comfortable with if you always run marathons well maybe it's time to like try to run a fast 5k or a mile race or you know do an uphill challenge or or see how many miles you can do in a single month or um or how fast you can do 10 miles like there's there's lots of ways that you can um keep it spicy and interesting so speaking of keeping it spicy and interesting uh, on that huge list of accomplishments and all the great things that you've done where does the dave portnoy memorial 5k the top? oh my gosh well I thought that was actually one of the funnest things I've done in a while. I really liked the way that the app kept you engaged. Um, I liked the fact that um, it felt like you were part of a community, even though we were separate. Like it felt like, you know, you kind of had like the, the back and forth between the racers. And then during the race, I thought it was really cool when they'd be like, Oh, he's a quarter mile ahead or you know, you're in third place or, you know, uh, you know, whatever it was. And so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I was a little bummed that I, I, I thought my phone was charged as much as it needed to be, <laughs> but the, the, I think the, the talking and the, uh, GPS updating, like crushed my battery. So like, I just need to be prepared for that the next time I do event, but, mm-hmm. um, but I thought it was really fun. Like it was, it was, and it seemed like a really good, like community. Like I was on the like snap snapping pictures beforehand and everyone was like kind of stoked about it. And it kind of had that feel of like when you line up at the race and you're kind of looking around to see who's there. And like, uh, you know, you see your friend that you haven't seen in a while and you like, are like, Hey, what's going on? And you know, (laughs) like I feel like I have a lot of friends that are just running friends and I only see them in running. And it kind of had that sense of like, Oh man, I would, uh, I wish I, you know, saw you at other, another time, but, you know, we're just running friends. And so like, it felt like, you know, you were part of that friendly community. And um, I really enjoyed that part of it. And, and I think that that's something that I a lot of people can get some value from, especially in these times where, you know, we're physically separated. and um, But we don't have to be, um, you know, so remote from each other.
1: Absolutely. So uh, it sounds like you're always up for a challenge. Would you want to set a record for um, some kind of virtual race?
2: Uh, sure. What are we doing?
1: What do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> how about like a uh, you, you pick the distance and we'll set it up and we'll get you some good competitors.
2: Uh, well, there is one that I want to do that I think could be awesome that I think would work well. Um, and I don't know how we could do this but I think we could is I've done this thing called the treadmill challenge before, and it's 15 minutes at 15% grade. And whoever goes the furthest wins. Uh, yeah. We've it's got you sure. covered there. Mike, we'll, we'll make yeah. that for you. That'd be sick. But I think, I think it would be super cool. And you could and like, if we could live stream it or something, like the amount of pain that people go in, they do it at outdoor retailer and it's usually like two on two and it's like a round. So I'm also doing this thing for the Boston buddies where, and this is another thing I think we could do that could be awesome is uh, each week it's, it started out as a round of 64. So it's like the NCAA tournament and then it's age graded and male, like field male graded. So gender based. And so like maybe you and I would run against each other and then whoever wins based on the age graded, then you move to the next round. So it's 64 teams or 64 runners, then 32 then, you know, 18, then sweet or then 16 and then elite eight and then final four. And then, you know, the, you know, the championship game. So yeah, I'm right now cool. I'm in the elite eight, but like there's some dude that's like running fifteen twenty, with like pushing his kids in a jog stroller. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's might, going to smoke me. I'm trying to get there. That's coming from a former jog stroller world record holder. I know. Yeah, he should be scared of, of, of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just know how hard it is to push and run that fast. So, like, I feel like if he takes the jog troller away, he's going to be, like, sub-15. Well, actually, I guess we had somebody
1: in our race
2: that was sub-15, right?
1: I Was uh, it Manuel? Or was it – did Chaz? Chaz. Chaz? Yeah, yeah, he's uh pretty accomplished. It wasn't
2: Chaz Davis, though. Chaz was a little slower, I think. Oh, like, was it
1: not? Yeah, it could have been – was it not you?
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't me, dude. I was like 1620-something. But this last week, I was 1611. So I'm going to break that. or 60. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's coming. <laughs> is, well, honestly,
0: 1611,
2: is that your 5K PR? Oh, no, no. My 5K PR is like 1455. But that's say. like, that's been from like, that's from like 2000. Most of the time, like, when I start, when I am like on the track and stuff, it's usually like high like mid 15s to low 16s so but like i've done like no speed work other than racing so like it's it's starting to come around my legs are but it's interesting too with like the crossfit like i actually like took a day off before this past weekend because i was gonna do the big fkt and i was like oh wow this is a lot easier not having done like (laughs) deadlifts and like uh you know, squats, like, 100 squats with, like, weight vest or whatever. Like, yeah, so I, I'll definitely try to rest up before the Elite Eight this week. Well, and I have a 50K world record on Saturday, so <laughs> just, th- that just throw that know. in there as well. Wait, where's <laughs> well, the 50K there's going to be some, some fast guys that are doing it. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be at the Formula Run Center. They have some, like, 24 woodway treadmills, so –
0: Nice.
2: Um, I'm actually headed there now to just go and make sure that the treadmills are set up and like the cameras, right. And all that kind of stuff.
1: That is so cool. Well, can we watch you live somewhere?
2: Yeah, it's going to be live streamed. So like I posted it in my story today, but like I'll post more about it coming up, but it's got, yeah, we're going to live stream it and there's going to be like Sarah Hall's actually running a half marathon world record during yeah, it. And like, up. yeah. So there's going to be some legit, like my uh, friend of mine, Tyler Andrews, he's probably going to do really well at the 50k. I think Max King might be running. Um, Danny Marino, who's a Hoka athlete. Um, Supposedly Mario Mendoza is going to go for the 50 mile world record. So yeah, it's all the same day.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. We're all going to do it at the same day on the same time. Wow. Wow.
1: I feel like Sarah Hall's due for a cool record or something. Like she put, yeah, she's the best
2: man. Yeah.
1: I would assume so. She seems really cool. Uh, that's so yeah. funny. Well, shoot. Mike, you are so inspirational, honestly. Just the fact that you're able to do so much and I I feel really inspired to try to do more like in my life, like, you know, more strength training, you know, challenge myself to different distances. I don't know. Excellent. I'm stoked. Well, good, man. Let me know how it goes. I, I'm excited for you. Thanks. Yeah, we'll go,
2: we'll go find a CrossFit gym. I know, right? Charge <laughs>
1: Yeah, and we'll be in touch too. We gotta think of another really cool um, you know, race to do with charge. Like again, maybe the fifteen minutes on fifteen percent grade on the treadmill. Yeah, which is like literally hurting my insides thinking about that. <laughs> that sounds awful. It it,
2: it it hurts, but it's like it's so cool. Like it's one of the like you you'll yeah, you'll remember it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cool. Well, hey, good luck this weekend. Good luck. Um, So you got the 50k on the treadmill this Saturday. What else are you Mm -hmm. doing this week?
2: Uh, So this week, that's kind of the big focus. And then uh, the 16th of June, I'm going to run to all there's we have a place a taco place here called District Taco. And I'm going to run to all 11 of their stores, it'll be about 100k um, and try to have like a taco at each of the stores. I think it will be super funny. I've so it'll be on that. like a Tuesday, like June 16th taco Tuesday. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, it'll be super fun. And then, um, I've got, I'm going to run across or actually not across cause it's not very far, but from the tip of Delaware to the bottom of Delaware. So that'll be like a little over a hundred miles, probably, uh, July 4th. Um, and then like my big thing is to try to run across the country and set the world record. So I don't know if mm. I'll be able to get to that this year, just with everything going on, but that's kind of what I'm uh, hoping to do.
1: Who has a record for that right now?
2: Uh, Pete Kostelnik. Okay. Yeah. No. he's a... I thought it was Forrest Gump. Am I wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He might have it in the movie. <laughs> Man. Well, Hey, good luck with everything. We'll be in touch because we have to challenge you with something. Yeah, that would be awesome, guys. I'd love that. (laughs) Cool. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time out. Hopefully those treadmills are set up good. Make sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I will. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks,
1: Mike. Mike. Yep.
2: Bye.
0: Bye. Well, thank you guys so much for listening in to this episode. If you're unfamiliar with Charge, it's an app that you can download that allows you to run virtually with other runners from all across the world while also being coached through specific workouts by a certified running coach. But the best part is it's all live. Head to chargerunning.com for more questions and download the app to start your free trial today. You guys rock. I can't wait to see you at the next podcast episode or in the Charge Running app. Have a great rest of your day, and as always, charge on.